How's everybody else doing? Just give me a thumbs up. Okay, you can do that too. Perfect. It's the, it's the early service. It's the first service, but that's no excuse because we have been in the presence of the Most High God. Somebody say amen to that. We've witnessed life change. We've been in the presence of God through song, and, and not just the music, but in your heart. That's, that's where God lives is in your praises. I mean, what is praise? Praise is when we adore Him for who He is, and we worship Him. Our hearts are aimed at Him. Has that happened to you today? Then God's here. And we are entertaining the Most High God. Now, here's what I know about the Most High God, and here's what I know about His presence. His presence is not just to give us a feeling. His presence is to change us. And that's really why we come to church uh, in a room like this, on a day like this. Uh, We should be doing it all week long, but when we gather together like this, we're here to encourage each other so that God can change us. How many of you are perfect in the room? A couple of people thought you were going to raise your hand, but the fact is, is that you're not perfect, so you have room to grow, right? God wants to do that in your life. Can we, can we get ready to start this series off right? It's interesting that the series is called Difficult People. Do you know anybody like that? I, I read recently that you might be a difficult person if your imaginary friends keep ticking you off. You might be a difficult person. You might be a difficult person when you walk into a business and they just coincidentally close. <laughs> it might be because you're a difficult. It, you might be a difficult person if telemarketers hang up on you. You might be a difficult person. You might be a difficult person if you're the center of attention at a party that you didn't go to. Come on, this is a lot funnier than you guys are leading on. You you might be a difficult person if you get fired from the unemployment office. That's good. If your ego wakes up before before you do and has the coffee ready, you might be a difficult person. Difficult people. Do you do you have anybody in your life that's like that? Don't raise your hand. Just say just kind of say yes in your in your head. We all do. We all have difficult people in our lives. And as Christians, we all want to respond to those relationships the right way. We want ultimately for the relationship to to grow, especially for the people that are the closest to us. We want to do the right thing. We want to be Christ-like, but how many of you know it's tough sometimes, isn't it? It's tough to be Christ-like whenever we have difficult people in our lives. So we're starting a series today that acknowledges that, yeah, people can be difficult. In fact, people, that's you too. We all can be difficult, but this series is also designed to give you practical, biblical tools and solutions so that you can know what to do. Do you believe that God can help you? Do you believe that God not only can help you, but that he is actively involved in wanting to help you? He is wanting to do something. He actually has input from his word on the topic. And so each week, we're going to talk about difficult people in our lives, and we're going to talk about how we should approach people like this, overly dependent people. Sometimes overly dependent people can be difficult. You know what I mean? Manipulative people can be difficult. Fake people, people that try to be one thing on the outside, but inwardly there's something completely different. Sometimes that can add some strain to relationships. That can be difficult. And we're going to make it clear during this series that as far as you're concerned, there's two approaches that you can take. There's the, the fleshly approach. There's the human approach, the feelings approach, which, by the way, Satan loves that, okay? And then there's the godly approach. This, this is the approach that's based in truth. This is the approach that the Holy Spirit is leading you, and he empowers you, and it's rooted in God's word. Today, we're going to talk about hypercritical people, people that are critical of you. Has anybody in the room ever been criticized? I think we all have been criticized. It's not fun. No one wants to be criticized. Um, but the, I want to make a, a distinction very quickly, and then we're going to move on. 
about critical people versus analytical people in your life. How many of you would, typically people would see you as critical, but maybe you say you're, you're analytical. Here's the difference. Critical people, hypercritical people, there, there tends to be a sense of judgment and shame associated with what they tell you. Analytical people, they're not trying to judge anybody. They're not trying to shame anybody. They're there to help you because they have strategically thought out a better way to do literally everything you do. And they want to help you. They're not being critical. They're just annoying. And the fact is, is that they need to learn when to shut up and when to give advice. That's true. But they're not being critical. They're just being analytical. But critical people, that's what we're going to talk about today. I just needed to tell you that because I'm an analytical person, and I've had to learn when to shut up. And I'm sure that there's some analytical people out there, too. They think very detailed through things, and they think that they, that you, they need to give you their opinion. And sometimes they don't. Critical people, that, that's a different story. But the, the point is, is that critical, uh, critical people are a part of life. Criticism is a part of life. No matter what you do, there are going to be some people that like it, and there are going to be some people that don't. Uh, Abraham Lincoln had a famous quote that you, you, you know the ending of, and you'll probably agree. You can never please all the people all the time. Would you agree to that? Oftentimes, it leads to somebody being critical of you. And the question is, is how do you handle it? How do you handle critical people? Well, me, I, what are you asking me how I handle it for? I thought I came to hear about the difficult people in my life. Why are you asking me? I want to give you an overarching principle that, that is going to, it's going to kind of overarch everything we talk about throughout this series. You ready? Here it is. You play a part in reconciling difficulty, and God is watching to see how you handle yourself. You play a part, and God is watching to see how you handle yourself. Look at James 4, verse 1. He asked the question very poignantly, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Well, James, I'm glad you asked. It's those people. It's them. If they would just, those people, look what he says next. Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You have a part to play in this. And in this series, we're not going to talk about how to change other people. Because if, if your peace and your happiness depends on somebody else changing, then you're dependent upon them. And God hasn't set it up for you to be dependent upon anybody else but him for your peace. And so I ask the question, what are you doing to handle the criticism that's coming your way? The last part of that verse, verse 2, says this. Yet you don't have what you want. You don't have the peace because you don't ask who for it. You don't ask God for it. When people are critical of you, do you, do you lack the peace that you need? Not because the other person is being difficult, but because you're trying to take it into your own hands. You're trying to handle it with your feelings and your emotions. James says this, invite God into the situation because he's the source of your peace. So since you have a role to play, Paul, the Apostle Paul in the Bible, he wrote many of the letters in the New Testament. He gives us two options going forward, and that's the two approaches that I told you about that we're going to talk about throughout the series. There's the, the fleshly way, and there's the, the godly way. And this is what he says when it comes to being, uh, having critical people in your life. You have two options. This is what he says, Ephesians 4, 22. You were taught to leave your old self to stop living the evil way you lived before, but you were taught to be made new in your hearts, to become a new person. See the contrast there? There's the old and there's the new. And that person, the new person, is being made to be like God. 
made to be truly good and holy. And so as a Christian, you have your old self and you have your new self. And he says, stop. When people criticize you, stop acting the way you did whenever you were living before Christ was the Lord of your life. And he says, there's this new way that you need to start living like, and that's living like God made you to be, like him, true, good, and holy. The, the measuring stick for how godly you are and how Christ-like you are doesn't come when everything's good and people are loving you. It comes whenever you're facing difficulty. Then what, then what do you do? Your true colors show. What are those colors that come out? That's the measuring stick. And he says, when it, that time comes, forget the old self and take on the new. So let's talk about the difference for a minute. When people criticize you, let's talk about the old self approach. And we do it very naturally. Our human nature teaches us to fight or flight. You ever heard that? Kind of maybe in a different context, but it's the same true. The same is true when we're criticized. We want to fight. We go on the offensive. Somebody criticizes you and your blood starts pumping and your heart starts moving faster and everything in you is screaming, counterattack! That's what's happening on the inside, right? And, and you're not really listening to anything they say. You're just wanting to fight back. Some people take the flight approach. They, they flee. They escape. They don't deal with criticism at all. That's, that's the avoidance approach. Can't please anybody. My spouse is unpleasable. My parents are unpleasable. Even my church experience is kind of rooted in guilt and shame. Every time I sit here, I just feel guilty, and I can't please anybody. So what do we do? We shut down. We put up walls. Criticism hurts, so I'm going to hold everybody at arm's length. Nobody gets close. But interestingly, God doesn't teach any of that. If flight was the answer, we'd just teach you how to run away. Run, forest, run. That'd be the title of the sermon series. God doesn't teach that. And, you know, if, if fighting back was the answer, we would just sell tasers in the coffee shop and give the money to missions. I mean, if we're going to fight back, if that's what God wanted us to do, then why not go all out, right? It'd make a much better YouTube video. Why not fight back? Paul doesn't say that. He says, you know what? You're not supposed to be operating in the flesh. You're supposed to be operating under the Spirit of God. And the flesh teaches you to fight. The flesh teaches you to run away. But the Spirit of God is always rooted in God's Word. So he says, take the new self's way, God's way. So we've talked about the old self. Let's take a look at what the new self is supposed to look like when it comes to hypercritical people in your life. Are you ready? I want to give you three principles that you can live by when it comes to operating in the new self. When you're criticized, number one, always listen to criticism. I want to say that again because I just hurt your feelings. Always listen to criticism. Right off the bat, that's not what we do naturally, is it? I'm not listening to somebody criticize me. Why would I listen to somebody criticize me? Our, our reaction typically is back off this. Our reaction is, what do you want to talk to me about that for? Let's look at you. We want to turn the mirror around and let, let them see themselves because they're being a hypocrite because they're trying to criticize me, but they're guilty of some stuff too. So let's, my reaction is to let's, let's kind of highlight some of what they're doing. Who do you think you are? And we put up all these defenses. Why do we do that? So we don't have to listen. That's why we do it because, God forbid, there might be a little bit of truth in what they're saying, and we don't want to hear that. Because they're being malicious. They're, they're being hard. But the Bible says that true Christians lower their defenses and listen. Listen. Not just with your ears, but with your heart. Listen to what James chapter 1 says, verse 19. He's saying, dear brothers and sisters, he's talking to Christians here, always be willing to listen. And slow to speak. Some of us are quick to speak and slow to listen. Me. 
says, don't become angry easily because anger will not help you live the kind of life that God wants. So when he says, dealing with difficult people that are critical of you, always be willing to listen. Sometimes be willing to listen when I feel like it, when I'm not that angry. No, he said, always be willing to listen. You'd be surprised at what you can get out of somebody, even when they're being hard. What the, sometimes the truth that, that can shape you if you'll listen. There's a, a pastor of a well-known church. Uh, years ago, he, he actually grew the church to about 20,000 people. So this is a big church. The reason why I say that is because pastors that are growing big churches like that, they're typically the target of criticism. Um, they must be compromising something. And so people attack them, attack them, attack them. And he had his share. Uh, and he said, you know what? Sometimes it, it wasn't bad, but other times, man, it was harsh. Like people really came down hard. It was tough to deal with. I said, what do you do? And this is what he says. He says, I always listen. He said, because even when somebody's being malicious, even when it's that bad, he said, there's typically a kernel of truth that I can take away from it and grow and learn from. I don't have to take the whole thing. He says, but, but typically there's some type of truth, even though they twist it. There's a truth that if I really listen, I can, I can pull from it. So why do we listen? Well, the Bible tells us to. And, and here's the reason. It's for your own growth and understanding. And it actually makes you a better person in the long run if you'll learn to listen. Is that your goal? Is your goal to be better than you were before? Because criticism, it's not an option. You're going to face it in life. Will it make you better or will it, will it bring out the worst in you? Listen. I want to be direct. Without that, without that, that heart that says, I want, to, I want to listen and learn and grow, you're only going to lower your defenses when people come to you and make you feel good. And the fact is, is that's not always what's going to happen in life. But you can actually grow by deciding to handle criticism God's way. And part of that is learning to listen. So why don't we listen? Well, because they make us mad. <laughs> and everything they say isn't true. So why? Their argument is based on false information. I don't want to. Listen, you, I'm not suggesting that everything they say is valid. I'm not suggesting that just because you listen, it means that you're condoning everything that they say. What I am saying is that you can process criticism God's way. And when you do, you're going to develop a willingness to listen, to pull out the truth of what God might be wanting to say to you, to, to hear something that even though it may be twisted, there's a, there's a piece of truth in there that you can take and you can learn from. Not just enduring their words. I'm talking about really learning to listen to the heart behind what somebody's saying. Here's how Paul prayed for us, that same guy in Philippians chapter 1. He's writing a letter to the Philippian church. It's us today. He says, this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what's best. There's something powerful about listening to somebody and actually trying to discern what it is they're saying. He says, pure and blameless until the day of Christ. So while you're listening, you're praying, God, help me love this person. How many of you have ever prayed that? <laughs> That's hard sometimes. Help, I don't have what it takes, God. There's nothing wrong with saying, I'm, I'm struggling right now with this, God. I need you to help me because I don't have the, the feelings. I don't have any of that. Right now, I just need your help. Help me. Help me understand and discern what they're trying to say. Help me understand and discern the spirit behind what they're trying to say to me. And let this criticism be a part of helping me grow. Years ago, when I first started in ministry, my boss called me in his office, uh, who was my pastor, and uh, normally I'd bring a notepad and a pen in case I needed to write something down. And when I sat down, I realized very quickly that this was going to be a different kind of meeting. <laughs> and he began to lay into me 
about some things that he had told me to do that I hadn't done, and it was rough. And as he talked, I wasn't listening. I was really waiting for him to, to stop talking so that I could defend myself. <laughs> and about, I don't know, halfway through his speech and his spill, I heard the, the Holy Spirit tell me God was speaking to my heart, and he said right there, he said, listen, you can either defend and attack, or you can listen and receive and actually walk out of here somebody that's capable of learning something and growing. And I remember my posture change. I just remember just kind of in my mind watching the defenses fall. It was so vulnerable. But I remember thinking to myself, you know what? This man's not, he doesn't hate me. I don't necessarily agree with the way he's saying it. But there's something that I can learn from this. If I'll shut up, if I'll put my defenses down, and if I'll actually learn to listen. The ability to listen grows with maturity. The ability to listen to somebody else actually grows as you mature. But you got to listen not just with your ears, but you got to listen with your spirit and discern. Now, once you listen and discern, what do you do with the criticism? And that's going to be principles two and three. We're going to talk about that. There's two things a Christian will do with criticism once they've listened and once they've discerned. You either respond to it or you release it. You're always going to listen. You're always going to discern. But you either respond or you release. Which one should I do? Let's look at them. Sometimes you discern and you respond to criticism. Once, you, once you've heard what they've said, you've discerned it in your heart, and you've, you've, you've prayed for discernment and you have it, let me give you two practical insights on when you should respond to it. Uh, respond to it when the information that you have will clarify the situation. Maybe they don't have the information they need and their criticisms are backwards and, and they need some information that they don't have. But the second one has to be true too. The person that's coming at you is open to change. Both of those have to be there. The information that you have will clarify the situation, and when the critical person is open to change. So I'm listening, I'm praying for discernment, and I'm asking myself, is there information about this situation that they, ha that they don't have that would make them happy? <laughs> and, and two, would they be open to learn it if I told them? Would, would they be open to learn? Uh, it's interesting, a man named Gideon in the Old Testament, you may remember his story, he faced critics. Uh, basically, there were 12 tribes of Israel. He was one of the leaders, and there was uh, a group called the Midianites. They were coming and raiding Israel. And so Gideon gets his troops together. It's a crazy story about what God did, but they defeated uh, a bunch of that army with not a whole lot of men. God did it. And afterwards, there was another tribe of Israel that came at Gideon, and they weren't happy. This is the tribe of Ephraim. Listen to what they, says, uh, what they say in Judges 8. The men of Ephraim asked Gideon, why did you treat us this way? Why didn't you call us when you went to go fight against Midian? They were angry. They were like, hey, we wanted part in that battle too. He's saying, we're Israelites. Why, why, why did you, they're raiding our land too. Why didn't you include us in this great battle? They were ticked. Listen to how Gideon responds. But Gideon answered them, I have not done as well as you. Look, the small part that you did was better than all my people did. God allowed you to capture Oreb and Zeb. These are the princes of Midian. You captured them. How can I compare with what you did? In other words, what you did was just as important as what I did. This was information that he had. We didn't exclude you, but we both did our part in the war. And once they heard that information, because they were open to change, and there was information that they didn't necessarily think about, look at the last part of verse 3. When the men of Ephraim heard Gideon's answer, they weren't as angry anymore. Sometimes when people come at us and they're, they're being critical, the solution is just as simple as I'm going to hear them out, I'm going to validate their concerns, and I'm going to respond and clarify the issue. 
There was a, a church in Virginia years ago that was trying to reach unchurched people, and they sent flyers out for this sermon series they were going to do. Um, and it was on the family. It was on marriage. And this lady called the office and asked to talk to the pastor. And the, the pastor gets on the phone, and she's irate. This flyer, you just sent us, and I just got your flyer. You know, and he's going, okay. And there is nothing about Jesus on this flyer. There's, you have all kind, there's nothing about Jesus. His word name's not even mentioned on the flyer. How are you going to save any? Just on and on and on. And the pastor decided, I'm going to listen. I'm going to kind of discern what she's saying. And he began to realize that, that you know what, this is a woman that, uh, that really cares about Jesus. And when she got done, he said, I, I can tell that you love Jesus with all your heart, don't you? Yes, I do. He says, you know, we do too. But the people that we're trying to reach don't. And we're sending them these flyers. And they really know that their marriage is in trouble. And when they get here, we're going to tell them that Jesus is the answer. Dead silence. Oh, well, I'll be praying for you. <laughs> Sometimes a critic comes at you, and all they need for you to do is listen and care. And the result is, is you actually wind up closer than you were before. So you always listen. You always discern. And when you do, if you sense this person, if all they need is perspective, and if they're open to it, you lovingly provide it. Uh, discern and respond and watch God work. Other times that's not the case, though. Other times you discern and you release the information. Say release. That's important to understand when to do that. Sometimes people criticize you, and you've got to discern it. You always listen, but you release it. Don't respond. Um, you begin to realize that there's no answer that's going to satisfy them. They've made up their mind, and they don't want to be confused with facts. They're just angry, and so you release it. You let go. You walk away. And so how do I know when I need to release criticism? Well, here's two scenarios. One is when the criticism is unfounded and undeserved, when it's unfounded and undeserved. Uh, years ago, I was on staff at a church in Sanford, and there was a pastor on staff who was preaching a very good message about the cost of following Jesus, and he told about the reality of hell, which is a very important topic. Um, and how God didn't want any of us to go there. He didn't make hell for human beings, but uh, that it was our choice. And he sent his son Jesus to die for us so that we wouldn't have to go there. And after the service, this man comes up to me, and he begins to criticize the church. He begins to criticize the pastor. He was very angry. And he was angry because his kids were in the service. And he said, look, I don't want my kids hearing about hell. There's enough negativity in the world. They, well, I come here because of the positive message. You guys need to look at the positive in life and the positive part of the Bible. I, I don't want my kids hearing about that. And to be honest with you, you should be talking about something else. And I begin to learn really quick that, you know what? This guy's not open to anything. <laughs> if anything, I need to take like two steps back. And if he starts swinging, I'm going to be prepared to get out of there. Interesting side note, Jesus himself talked more about hell than he did about heaven. I didn't say that. I knew he wasn't going to be open to it. So I processed the criticism. I listened. I discerned. And I realized there's no need for me to respond. I thanked him, and I said, you know what? If you're ever open to talking about the reality of the Bible, I'd be more than happy to talk with you. And that was it. And he left. When you stand for something, guys, you may as well expect to be criticized. And sometimes you just need to release it. Always listen. Always discern what's happening in the situation, but sometimes you just got to release criticism. You just got to walk away. There are people in your life that stand on criticisms that absolutely have nothing to do with who you really are, and you have to release it. And there are versions of you that they've created in their minds that are not your responsibility to try to reconcile. 
Even Jesus faced that. He told his followers how to handle it. In Matthew 15, Jesus, he laid out the truth to some very religious, hypercritical people. And his disciples came up to him afterwards in verse 12. And they said, do you realize that you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? And I can just see Jesus' face. <laughs> he always liked to use imagery. But he said, listen, every plant not planted by my heavenly father is going to be uprooted. So ignore them. Release it. Don't, don't hold on to the criticism. He goes on to say this. They're like blind guides leading the blind. And if one blind person leads another person, they're just going to fall in the ditch, the both of them. So if you find yourself being criticized by somebody who doesn't have a clue or even want a clue, Jesus said, don't let them define who you are. Don't let them define what you do. You care about them. You pray for them. You listen. But when the criticism is unfounded, you release it. Make sense? The second time that you can know that you need to release criticism is when the critic has a bitter root of judgment inside of them. If they have bitterness inside of them. And I know that all, all the news we have today, it's all bad and, and people have lots of opinions and people can fall into the opinion pit. And every now and again, you get somebody that's just, they just have an opinion. It's not really who they are, but they just kind of got sucked into the moment. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about somebody who was hurt so badly that they haven't, they haven't healed and they've got a stronghold of bitterness in their life that's formed. And they see negative, uh, through, through a negative lens, everything in life. And it's resulted in anger in their life. And it reaches every single part of, of the, every relationship they have. And you can tell when they're criticizing you that it has this anger, this, 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 the way that they come at you really doesn't have a whole lot to do with the subject at hand. It has more to do with the bitterness inside of them. It's coming from a place of hurt. It's coming from a place of anger. And the Bible actually warns us in Hebrews 12, 15. It says, see to it. That nobody misses the grace of God. And that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble. And to defile many. Isn't that interesting? That when somebody is bitter because they haven't been able to heal from a past hurt, it, it actually defiles people in their life. Every person they come in contact with. The Greek word there, the, the language that it was written in, actually means to damage the purity of something. To contaminate a relationship. Bitter people contaminate other people. You ever heard the expression that hurt people hurt people? People that are hurt and damaged because they, they refuse to heal in a healthy way, they actually end up hurting people. And they hurt the people that they're the closest to because they're the ones that they can reach more often. They damage every relationship they get deep into. And after you've been in a relationship like that, and, and maybe you're not in that relationship anymore, you feel contaminated. You feel like, man, I need to just take three months and go off somewhere and just kind of clean up my spirit. You can't respond to criticism like that because the person's not going to receive it. If you fight fire with fire, you just get bigger fire. But you can pray for somebody that can change their heart. God can do amazing things in somebody. So we listen and we discern criticism in our life. And sometimes we respond to it. And sometimes we have to release it. But listen, this is what you need to know. You don't live for it. You don't have to bear the weight of somebody's criticism of you. Because you don't live for criticism. You don't live for somebody else. As Christians, we live for an audience of one person, and that one person is Jesus Christ. That's why Paul said it this way in Thessalonians 2.4. He said, for we speak as messengers approved by God to be entrusted with the good news. And our purpose is to please God, not people. He alone examines the motives of our hearts. 
So how are you going to handle criticism? I asked that question at the beginning, and I'll ask it again. How are you going to handle it? Because here's the truth. Pastor Andrew actually shared this truth with us, and I'm going to put it on the screen for you to look at. Criticism can develop me or devastate me. The difference is how I process it. What are you going to do with it? Can we pray together? God, thank you for this room and the word that's in it. Lord, the word that has the power to change lives and change hearts to make us better as Christians. And I pray that your word has gone into each of us because we've been pliable and open and ready to receive it. Lord, for those of us in the room who are facing some really hard critics, Lord, and it's unfounded and undeserved, I pray that you'd give the discernment, Lord, for us to be able to release it. Lord, and there's some people in our lives that we actually need to respond, but we need to do it in a way that you've called us to do it, in a way that uh, our new self, having been justified by Jesus Christ and our heart is, is, is aimed at you, we need to do it in that vein. So I pray for the wisdom to be able to do that in Jesus' name. Lord, there are people in the room and, and maybe listening online that maybe they don't know who you are. Maybe they're the critic or maybe they're the ones being criticized, but they don't know how to handle it either way because they don't have the new self. They're still operating under the old self. Jesus, in your word, you said that I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And I've come to give life and I've come to give it abundantly. But you said you were the only way. And if that's you in the room or listening online right now and you... You haven't given your life to Jesus Christ. You're still living the old, old way. You're still living in the old self. And you've been trying to fill the, that gap, that hole inside of you. And down deep, you don't have peace. Way down deep, there's that place that just can't seem to get filled. That's a God-shaped void inside of you. And God said, I'm the only one that can fill it. I created you for me to fill that void. And I believe he's calling your name right now. And if that's you, you, you feel that pull. And I just want to tell you, that's, that's not me. That's the God of the universe saying, I love you. I've called you by name. And today is the day I want you to come to me. Would you say yes? If that's you, I'm just going to pray a prayer. And, and I just, I wonder if you'd pray that prayer with me. And it goes like this. Just mean it in your heart. God hears you. That's the great thing about God is he doesn't speak a specific language, but he hears your heart. God, I need you. Would you pray that with me? I need you. I'm done living for myself. I want to live for you. I accept your sacrifice for me that makes me worthy of you. I'm an imperfect person. On my best day, I'm still imperfect. I wouldn't claim I'm perfect. So an imperfect person can't stand to, next to a perfect God and, and expect to be seen worthy. If you're a perfect God and you, you accept imperfect people, then you're a liar and not worth worshiping. But you're a perfect God. You're a holy God. You're a righteous God. And I'm imperfect. But you sent your son Jesus to die for me so that when I accept him, I can look at you and you can look at me and I can be seen worthy in your eyes. I accept him. I believe that he really came to this earth and died for me. I believe that he really was raised from the grave, dead, but raised to life. I'm not perfect, but I'm progressing. And I want you to help me take my next step. I choose to live for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Can we say amen together? Can we just give it up for everybody that prayed that prayer? Come on, just give God praise and celebrate with them. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to know, first of all, that's the best decision you ever made. And that God is going to walk with you. And I just want to challenge you. Take your next step. 
There's a place on your connect card that says, I prayed to receive Christ. Would you just take a second and check that box? Here's the reason why. Because when you walk out of here, you're going to be tempted to feel isolated. You're going to be tempted to isolate yourself and convince yourself that what you did didn't matter. But I want you to know that God saw the change in your heart. He saw the decision you made, and it's extremely important. And we want to come beside you. We want to know that you made that decision today so that we can be praying for you. We would love to follow up with you and give you some potential next steps that you can take to make the most out of your Christian journey. And so would you take a second and check that box? Uh, For the rest of you in the room today, there's places all over that Connect card for you to get information, to give us your prayer request so that we can be praying for you this week. We do it every single week, and that's something that we take very seriously. So this, this Connect card, it's not a way to get information from you. It's to be a resource to you. So take a second and fill that out. As you walk out of the room today, you can drop that off with the ushers. If you're new for the very first time today, man, thank you so much for coming. I'm so glad that you're here with us today. There's a place on that Connect card for you as well. As Cassie said, I'm, I'm new here at the bridge. It's my first time. Take it over to the VIP desk. We want to put something in your hands. It's a gift, just our way of saying thank you for coming. And here's your cordial invitation to come back next week. We're so grateful you were here. I love you. Let's go take on critical people God's way, right? See you guys next time.